Hello, everyone, and welcome into episode 61 of the Stomp the Bus Show. I am your host, Mark Harris, coming at you after an ASU win over a Pac-12 opponent, their first of the season. Great win for Kenny Dillingham and crew. Um, Want to get to a few more other things first. We're also going to talk about the uh, Big 12 schedule release that was very interesting, came out on Wednesday. So uh, that'll be more towards the end of the show. Wanted to touch on a few things first uh, before we get started. Obviously, as always, please like and subscribe on YouTube, rate and review on your podcast platform of choice. Um, also want to let you guys know that Colton uh, has decided to uh, withdraw from the show. He's just had other stuff going on in his life and didn't want this extra thing to do. Totally understand. And, you know, he's been a great uh, part of the show and it's been fun talking with him, but it'll just be me for the time being. Um, and then thirdly, did want to touch on ASU hockey. Uh, they split over the weekend um, against Miami of Ohio and are now at number 16 in the US CHO poll. I think that's what it is. It's on their Twitter account. So, uh, Still, ASU hockey still going strong. Um, good start to the season. Then ASU volleyball, great weekend. They're now twenty-one and three after sweeping Cal three-zero at home, and then sweeping number three Stanford three-zero at home. So that is now an avenging their 0-3 loss to Stanford back in late September. Uh, fantastic weekend for the ASU volleyball program. JJ Van Neal doing a great job. And they even had a national player of the week in Marta Levinska. So good stuff for ASU volleyball. All right, let's get into the football game. What a win that was for the Sun Devils. What a win. One of the things that's so great about that win, other than, you know, being the first Power five slash Pac-12 win of Kenny Dillingham's head coaching career. The fact that it ended a six-game losing skid. The fact that it just, you know, for once, just for the short little time as an ASU football fan, it just feels good. Just good to win one. Um, I saw the PHNX Sun Devils account tweeted out after the win that uh, picture of Kevin in the office where he said just like, it's just good to win one. That that was a great that was a great great tweet by them and a perfect uh, feeling about how people felt about this game because, you know, you had just been getting all these close losses. You had had two three point losses in a row and then a fourteen point loss to USC that um, wasn't was more competitive than that score would indicate. So it's just it's just good to see. And the thing I loved about this win the most is. ASU didn't like pull this win out of its ass. You know, ASU was the better team. They looked like the better team and they won by two scores. And that's just, that is so good to see, you know, because ASU could have beaten Cal or Colorado. And if they had done that based off like a fluky play here or there or a pick six or something like that, it would still be a great win. Don't get me wrong. All these, all, all the wins count the same, you know, all the wins count the same, all the losses count the same. So ASU doesn't get any extra credit for losing close. You know, they're still two and six, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been quite as fulfilling to just beat a team, you know, and it didn't always look like it was going to be that way in the first half, you know, in the first half, ASU's defense 
was not that great. You know, they really let Cam Ward uh, run on them a lot. He had two rushing touchdowns. He had a great touchdown pass. And sometimes, you know, guys make plays. But um, they did not play as well as they had been playing in that first half. However, second half, they were awesome. They held Wazoo to six points, and it was two short field goals. So, well-timed – from what I remember, it was well-timed uh, blitzes and pressures in the second half that made, you know, the Cougars kick like 27-yard field goals. I'm loading the box score right now. Let's see. Um, yeah, it was 31-yard field goal at the end of the third quarter and a 34-yarder midway through the fourth quarter. That's really frustrating because – that's a, those are long drives that are just ending in short field goals. And it was their only scoring of the second half. Um, I'll just stay with the defense right now. The pressure was still really good. Another sack and a half game for BJ green, who that dude is just everywhere, man. He is everywhere. I, um, I don't think he's going to come back to ASU. I, I, I hope that he has, you know, NFL opportunities, but, um, it was good to see him play well. Clayton Smith got a sack and a half. That's really good to see. He's been really dealing with injuries a lot this year. Um, and you know, it's funny, they didn't get any turnovers, but they didn't really they didn't really need any turnovers, you know. Like, sure, it would have been great to get one in the first half, but when you hold a team to six six points in the second half, like, you know, don't really need the turnovers. And they had some bad, bad penalties go against them too at times. So that was impressive. But what was really impressive is the offense completely just breaking out of its shell and having a fantastic game. I mean, 235 rushing yards, 509 total yards of offense. Cam Scadabo, 11 carries for 121 yards. Touchdown and a 66 yard run mixed in there. He was awesome. DeCarlos Brooks was freaking awesome as well with five touchdowns. Or I'm sorry, not five touchdowns, three touchdowns. Uh, only slightly exaggerated there. Uh, three of the Sun Devils' five rushing touchdowns, obviously with Scadaboo and Elijah Badger scoring on a sweep, which was awesome. But it was just so encouraging to see the ASU offense just look so much more functional. Um and really lean on an undersized defensive unit in the Cougars. You know, um, I don't know if if this game gets played a month ago. I don't I don't know if it has this exact same result, even though, you know, Wazoo's defense was the same then and is, as it is now for the most part. Uh, I just don't know if ASU's offense is able to click like that, you know. And they, they have gotten a little bit healthier on the offensive line. Isaiah Glass is back. And it's kind of showed, man. I mean, Bourget did not get sacked that entire game, and he really wasn't under that much pressure. I mean, there was a few times he was under pressure, but for the most part, like, he had a pretty clean pocket. Um, he passed for 274 yards, found Jalen Conyers four times for 90 yards, his best game of the year. Badger, Badger was just awesome, man. Some of the jukes he made in that game, I mean – that had to be a tough film session for the Washington state defenders because that was, he was really juking us out and just juke, he juke guys out on his touchdown run. I mean, just Badger's just been great this year. Uh, Troy O'Meary, four catches, 42 yards. So Giovanni Sanders, a huge 
one catch for 23 yards, but it was on a third and 17. Great throw by Borgay. Uh, even Bryce Pierre, Masai Swinson have catches. Ryan Morgan, fourth string tight end. One catch. You like to see that. I think that was his first career catch. So everybody was getting involved in this one. Uh, just a fun win. And it's it's just, it was a really like, it's nice to see it all come together, you know, because we had seen them knock on the door for really three weeks in a row. Um, and I might be forget. I feel like I'm forgetting a game in there as well. Oh, like four weeks in a row. I'm sorry, Washington. I completely forgot about the Washington game where they lost 15 to seven, really knocking on the door and you finally break it down. You finally break it down and you win by 11 points. You're, you rush them to death. I mean, ASU dominated, dominated on the edges when running the ball. You see, I mean, they scored on the toss play to uh, Brooks twice. They got like a 66-yard run out of that toss play. And they also attacked them on the edges with the uh, jet sweeps. And so that's just – what I love about that is that is Dillingham – identifying a clear weakness for Wazoo and just attacking it, attacking it, attacking it. The same way that teams have done the same thing against ASU, you know, just attacking the offensive line. Um, you know, so that's what's really encouraging. There wasn't, it didn't, there wasn't any need to do any of the trick plays or stuff like that. You, you just run the ball on it. And that was so encouraging to see. Now, you're not going to be able to do that against any of your other future opponents coming up. Uh, Utah this weekend, it's going to be tough, obviously. Um, UCLA, very tough defense. Oregon, tough defense. Arizona's defense is pretty dang good, too. So that might have been their only opportunity to win a Pac-12 game, but they took advantage of it. They didn't let it slip away. Um, that would, you know, those were, that's why those losses to Cal and Colorado were tough is because a, you walked out of those games and you're like, are we sure Colorado is really that much better than ASU? And same thing about Cal. Um, and so like, those were winnable games we said on the show. And that's why Colton, I don't blame him for thinking this way after the Colorado game, he, he thought that this team wouldn't win another game. And again, I don't blame him for thinking that way because back when he said that like three weeks ago or two weeks ago, Wazoo was a much better team. They might have been still ranked at that point. So um, anyway, tying it all up, they took advantage of the opportunity that was there for them. Took advantage of it in a big way. And it just feels like the, the upward trajectory of this program is real. Okay. And I know I'm saying this after their second win of the season, but you had a lot of people, uh, I listened to the Cover 3 podcast um, after th that Saturday night at some point, maybe on Sunday morning. Um, Tom Fornelli on that show, he was saying that ASU could be like a contender for the Big 12 championship game two years from now. But Elliot was shouting out Kenny Dillingham. Like, people are noticing, okay? People are noticing that was a big win. And with ASU football, you just need this the positivity, man. Like especially because we're still, you know, there's the bowl band still there. Antonio Pierce just got a, you know, interim head coaching job with the Raiders, which is, I'm not going to talk about this for long, but like, it's, 
it's conflicting because uh, like he's out of, he's gone. Like he's out of the picture. Um, him having an interim head coaching job doesn't affect anything of uh, like what he did at ASU. It's all in the past. I, what's frustrating is like, you see the people who caused all the mess that ASU is in just dipping out and not facing any consequences. It's been done like that for years in college football. I get it. Uh, and if a, it, honestly, if ASU were six and two right now, instead of two and six, people wouldn't care. So it sucks, but he's on the Raiders. So like how much, like what, I don't know. It's, it's just going to be a, an annoying story, I guess, but it matters a lot less when ASU is winning. So, you know, um, yeah, but just a great win. It really was a great win, honestly. And it, I, I, I got to shout out some of the special teamers too. Longhetto hitting a 51-yard field goal right before half it just totally changed the tenor of the game because ASU was able to score on its ensuing touchdown drive in the third quarter. All of a sudden, it's a 10-point game. And Wazoo was never able to recover from that. You could even – you could just tell, like, watching them, it just, they were just totally out of sync after that. And what I loved about that is – Wazoo scored uh, five plays, 75 yards, took a minute and 33 seconds, pretty close to right before the half, 21-21, 42 seconds left. They drive 42 yards in seven plays, and they just get the <laughs> – they just get the the field goal, you know, and – it's just so encouraging that with 42 seconds left, it's like, yes, we're being aggressive. We, let's try to get some points. You know, it's encouraging to see. And there is going to be times where it goes wrong for you. Someone throws a pick. In fact, it might've happened earlier this year or something. So I get it from that perspective, but worked out against Wazoo and that field goal proved to be very valuable as the course of the game went on. So Love to see it, and I loved uh, Ed Woods on that that last possession for the Cougars was just absolutely awesome. Great open field tackle, and then breaking up a pass at the end of the game to keep them out of the end zone when you're up eleven. That was that was so big. So uh, just a great win. Uh, looking ahead to Utah, Utah got absolutely dominated, thirty five to six over Oregon last week, and now ASU has to play them in Salt Lake City after that. Sun Devils are like an 11-point underdog on most sites, which makes sense. I'm not I'm not arguing ASU should be favored in this game. But what is, what's interesting to me is I just – I don't know, like, how, how scary is Utah really? That's my thing. Um – I think their wins over USC and Cal, where they scored 34 points in both of those games, I think it threw people off the scent of what their offense really is. You know, and I trust ASU, I trust Brian Ward, I trust the ASU defensive staff to have a much better defensive plan against Bryson Barnes and Utah compared to what USC and Cal did. I mean, Cal's defense is bad. Like we saw over the weekend with USC and Cal, they scored 99 combined points. Like this isn't the Justin Wilcox defense of like 
three or four years ago, you know? So I'm just looking at the stats for this, like Utah's leading receiver, Devon Vele, 22 catches for 281 yards. We're two thirds of the way through the college football season. How can that be your leading receiver? And I'm comparing him to ASU's leading receiver, Elijah Badger, who again has been on an offensively challenged team, 45 catches, 532 yards, two touchdowns. It's like ASU's leading rusher, Cam Scadabo, 115 carries, 534 yards, seven touchdowns. Utah's Jaquinta Jackson, 99 carries, 487 yards, one touchdown. So not quite as low, but again, still like even a quarterback, Bryson Barnes. 769 passing yards, four touchdowns, five interceptions. Bourget, just under 1,200 yards, one touchdown, three picks. I read all those off to make the point of, I don't know how drastically far apart these programs are at this point in time. And what I mean by that is like the week heading into this game. Obviously, Utah is a much better overall program than ASU. They're having a much better season they will almost certainly finish the season ranked. But I don't think this is some unwinnable game for ASU. I really don't. And the other thing with Utah is they play at Washington the weekend after this game. And this could be a letdown spot for them. It could be. I don't know. You know, it's still Utah. It's still Cal Whittingham. Like, you know, I get it. Like, I'm not... But, man, like, their offense just isn't good. They lost – they're winning against UCLA. They scored one touchdown. They won 14-7. to They got killed by Oregon State 21-7. to They beat a bad – like, a bad Baylor team 20-13. to Just the offense has just not been good for Utah. And so, I just don't know what to make of this matchup. Because if Utah had, like, a competent – off or even like a slightly below competent offense, then like even with the good vibes and the upward trajectory and just ASU generally playing well or better than they have been, I would still, I would think like, yeah, it's probably not going to happen. You know, like it's just, it's just, uh, you know, they're too, they're too well-rounded overall, but their offense has just been, bad enough to the point where I can't be like, Oh, they're well-rounded. You know, it's like, no, like the quarterback's Bryson Barnes. He is not a good quarterback. Like I, I, you, I think Utah's going to win this game, but I, I would be very surprised if Asia doesn't cover minus 11, or plus 11. That's, that's a lot. And again, look, let's look at Utah's wins. Like they're only double digit win. I think they beat Florida by double digits and then they beat Cal by a lot. But when you put it that way, like, okay, so they have, they beat Baylor by seven, they beat UCLA by seven. Like I, I they beat USC by two. Again, they deserve those wins. I'm not saying those wins don't count, but I don't know. I just, I know they're a tough program, and again, I think they're going to win. I just, like, is Utah getting to 21 points on ASU? I mean, they could. I Like, they very well could, but I don't know. I My final – I'll say this for my score prediction. I think ASU loses 
19, I'll say 20 to 16. How's that? But I don't know. I just, I think Utah has just got, like, I think the brand of Utah, the logo is influencing how good people think this 2023 Utah team is because like, I'm not sure who's the better quarterback in this game. And I honestly, I think it, it might be Borgay. Like who's the better running back. I mean, I get it. Utah has a better defense and I think a better offensive I'm, offensive line. It's just, I don't know. I'm just not, uh, I think Utah just has a lot of respect, earned respect it is supposed to be 44 degrees and rainy there. So that could affect it as well. But I'm just less intimidated by this Utah team because their offense has been so underwhelming. And with the way ASU is playing right now, they've played well against the upper level teams that they've placed, you know, or played when they played uh, USC and Washington and heck, even Oklahoma State, who's ranked now. <laughs> did not expect the the Oklahoma State team I saw in week two should not be ranked, but they've gotten better since then. Um, so that's kind of my Utah ASU thoughts. I think I still think Utah's going to win, but ASU being an eleven point favorite, I just don't know about that. I just don't know about that. Um, and honestly, I think ASU has the better offense in this game, which is troubling for Utah. But ultimately, they're at home, um, and I still think Utah will get the job done, but I think ASU will keep it close in a low-scoring game. All right, now let's get into some of these Big 12, or not some of these, the Big 12 schedules. So the way they did it as a scheduling matrix, and they've scheduled it out through the first four years of conference play. And it's a little weird because there's only four protected rivalries those being ASU, Arizona, BYU, Utah, uh, the Kansas schools, and then TCU and Baylor. And some of the other fan bases are upset about not having their uh, their protected rivalry uh, intact for every single year. I know the biggest one is Farmageddon, which is Iowa State versus Kansas State will not be played every single year. And I get that that sucks, but – a lot of these same Big 12 fans were hoping the Pac-12 would dissolve and wanted to add all these schools. Well, if you add all these four corner schools, then guess what? The schedule isn't going to be – it's going to be way harder to put these schedules together. So I don't know. Like, it it sucks. Like, they, the Farmageddon should probably continue. But, like, some of these, it's just like, you guys wanted all these teams. You guys wanted the four corner schools to come in. So – don't complain when they mess up your scheduling, I guess. That's my opinion, but anyway, let's dive into ASU's um, first four years. And so how it's going to work for ASU is they are going to play at and away, or, you know, they're going to play Arizona every single week. So that's fine. And then there's three, there's a few schools that they're going to play like three out of four years. So they play Utah three out of four years, BYU three out of four years, Colorado three out of four years, and Texas Tech three out of four years. Now, next year, oh, gotta open this. Okay. 
Uh, let me get to my screen sharing. Do, do, do. All right. Let's do it. Okay. So next year, I don't, I, I just wish they put the home on top of the away. That's really annoying. So next year, the four home games, Big 12, are BYU hosting Utah, hosting Kansas, and hosting UCF. So that's a pretty juicy. I mean, Kansas, if you're ever going to play Kansas, play them after they're most likely coming off the ranked season. UCF is at least kind of a brand. And then BYU and Utah, those are good crowds. Uh, on the road, they're at Arizona, at Texas Tech, at Oklahoma State, at Kansas State, at Cincinnati. That's that's those are some pretty tough road games. I won't lie. So, uh, having to play at Kansas State and at Oklahoma State is tough. That is, if you can win one of those games, that would be awesome. Like to win one of them at Texas Tech is Texas Lubbock's a tough place to play. I just don't know how good Texas Tech is going to be. Like with Oklahoma State and Kansas State, you know they're going to be like eight-ish win teams. And it's going to be tough to play in Stillwater and Manhattan, respectively. Arizona, I mean, it's the Territorial Cup. It's going to be – it's always, it, they're a good program now, and so that's going to be a tough game, but it's always going to be a tough game. It's the Territorial Cup. At Cincinnati, I have absolutely no idea because they're starting Emory Jones this year. I don't know what his eligibility is. I don't know what their quarterback's going to be. I mean, Cincinnati's gotten off to a really tough start in the Big 12. Hopefully, for ASU's sake, they're still bad next year. Um, just in terms of a road opponent. I look at the 2025 slate, though. There are only four road games, four conference road games for ASU in 2025. At Utah, they're comfortable playing there. They don't always look comfortable playing there, but they, you know, we've been to Utah before. We're going in a few days as ASU, as a program, at least. At Colorado, at Baylor, and at Iowa State. Okay. I mean, you could get three pretty manageable road games there, you know, because Iowa State, Baylor, Colorado, who knows what they're going to be two years from now. And history tells us, like, if Dion's gone, Colorado's probably not going to be good. They might not even be good with him there, you know. He's trashing their offensive line like crazy. Good luck. Grabbing guys out of the portal doing that. Baylor could be up and down. They're they're a weird program because they they're bad a lot of years, but they have these peak years where they win like eleven games or ten games, and so it, that could be anything. It also depends like what time of the year you're playing them. Is it early in the year when it's hot as heck down there? Are you playing like November? Weather's nice. Different thing with Iowa State. Like they're generally like with Campbell. At least you know they're going to be a tough team. Just don't know how talented they're going to be. Uh, you hope to play that game earlier in the year, then obviously you don't want to go to Iowa in the fall. If you don't have to uh, in terms of playing football. Then at home, pretty manageable 2025 home schedule. Pretty manageable. You get Arizona, Texas Tech, TCU, which who knows how good TCU – like TCU is probably going to be a lot closer to the team they are this year than the team they were last year when they played for the Natty. That's just probably what they're going to be. Um, maybe not. I don't know. And then you host Houston – and you host West Virginia. So 2025, and again, like 2025 is, will be Dillingham's third year. I assume ASU's NIL situation will be more um, 
in control. I don't know. We'll just be better uh, by then. 2025 could be a real opportunity year for ASU. Because next year, next year just going to be about getting back to a bowl game. Just be like a seven and five, six and six team. Go back to next year's goal is to get back to like level of what ASU is as a program. Get back to six and six, get back to seven and five. You can do that with this uh, schedule in 2024. It won't be easy, but it's possible. 2025, I just, I look at all these teams, like there's no way Houston, like there's no way all of these teams that ASU is playing is going to be good. And you avoid, I would say Kansas State right now is the best program in the Big 12, including Utah. Um, and you don't play them that year, whether at home or a road, you don't play Oklahoma State. So BYU, you avoid. So I, I, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, uh, how it plays out with who's good that year in 2025, but that does look like an opportunity, five home games, uh, conference home games. And so interesting. 26, it's uh, at Arizona, at BYU, at Texas Tech, at Kansas, at UCF. And then home is uh, host Baylor, host Colorado, host K-State, host Oklahoma State. And then all the way out in 2027, you're at Colorado, at TCU, at Houston, at West Virginia. So I guess the uh, Big 12 schedule makers weren't going to we're going to punish Ray Anderson too bad for his anti-West Virginia quotes. And then you host U of A, host BYU and Utah, host Iowa State, host Cincinnati. Uh, one thing I do like about this schedule is that you are in the state of Texas. You play at least one road game in Texas every single year. In some years, it's a lot more. So in 2027, you're at TCU and at Houston. In so that's all that's very good for recruiting. I would actually wish that was a little sooner because you are at Texas Tech twice, which is great because, you, yeah, you're in the state of Texas, but you're not in an area of Texas where it's not convenient to get to. It's very out of the way. So I don't know how much that really makes an impact in terms of like, hey, we're playing in Texas for recruiting, but maybe it will. I don't know. Maybe just being in the Big 12 will. Uh, and then 2025, you're at Baylor. So that's a good place to go on the road because that's pretty centrally located in the state. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, I'm going to get to another link that I saw on college football Reddit. Yes, this is a very good chart that shows kind of how often each team plays each other. And you see that there are very few red squares because those are the only, those indicate the four times teams will play one another over the course of four years. It's only the Kansas schools, the Arizona schools, the Utah schools, and then Baylor and TCU. So that shows you how rare these, uh, you know, year long or year by year rivalries are getting renewed in the big 12. Cause there's only going to be four of them throughout this first four year period. The orange boxes are what's most interesting to me because it shows, okay, who's playing where and who, who are the like regional opponents that you're playing. Um, for the most part. And I like that they kept it regional. They didn't have like ASU's three out of four opponents be Iowa state or West Virginia or teams that aren't close. The three out of four opponents are BYU, Utah makes sense. 
Colorado makes sense. And then for ASU, it's Texas Tech, which makes sense. For Arizona, it's Houston, which is interesting. It's probably better for – it's probably better to say, like, hey, we're going to Houston more often in terms of recruiting than it is Texas Tech. But Texas Tech is a much bigger brand, has a more committed fan base. Um, and so I think having Texas Tech – uh, be a more common opponent is more fun for me as an ASU fan. I think that, you know, we, we have a history with Texas tech way back in the border conference years ago, uh, like 50 years ago, 60 years ago, but it does exist. And there is some regionality, some regionality with Texas tech and ASU. I think that, you know, they, it, it doesn't feel like some weird, uh, like non-conference matchup when these two schools play. Like when ASU plays UCF, that's just always going to feel weird. There's no, there's no getting around that. When ASU plays, you know, West Virginia, Cincinnati, there's no natural Iowa State even. There's no like, oh, this kind of makes sense. It's like, no, they're just kind of, it's just kind of a result of this conference being the way it is. So those don't really like feel like conference matchups right now. And maybe they never will. But like Texas Tech, that can feel like a conference matchup. Um, it's not that far, so it's you, you know you can get there if you're an ASU fan fairly easily. So I don't know. I think there were a lot of people who wanted pods, but based on just it's just a lot of there's you have 16 different schools that are from you know ranging from Arizona to Florida to Cincinnati and West Virginia. It's going to be hard to like get everyone's preferences met and so you know from a from an asu perspective i like how the schedule shakes out for us um and i like having the repeat opponents well obviously playing arizona all the time and then the repeat or mostly repeat opponents of colorado byu utah and texas tech i think that's i think those are good uh good dance partners for us so that's where i'm at on that let me stop sharing um, I have seen a few ASU fans kind of whine on Twitter. And again, it's Twitter whine about, oh, like uh, the schedule is boring and, oh, the Pac-12 is better. And it's like, you got to live in the reality that you're in and not the reality that you want. Okay. Like you'll not, like I wanted the Pac-12 to survive. I still wish the Pac-12 would survive it. I think it makes more sense for ASU to be in the Pac-12 but the Pac-12 is not going to survive. So, you know, we can. would you rather be complaining about this schedule or a Mountain West schedule? Would you rather be, you know, ASU having to play, you know, in Cincinnati next year, which isn't like, is not ideal. Or would you rather be Oregon State, Washington State and have, you know, be left out in the cold? I just, I get it. Like it's better to have Oregon come to town, to have UW on the schedule, to have USC and UCLA. Um, even having like other random Pac-12 schools, like the Bay Area schools, Washington State, Oregon State, because you have the familiarity, you're close to them. If you're an ASU alum, there's a good chance you're living in California or Washington or Arizona, obviously, and it's easier to get to one of those schools. But this is where we're at. <laughs> this is where we're at. You know, the Pac-12. Is going to be gone. It sucks. But this idea that we're just going to complain about, oh, the, you know, there's no blue bloods on the schedule and uh, 
you know, I'm not, I don't care about Kansas football. And it's like, I don't know what to tell you, man. I don't like, this is where we're at. And I'm thankful that we're in the big 12 because like wh who else was going to take us? The big 10 was not going to take us. Okay. Maybe if ASU had, had done a better job investing into football like years ago um, and, you know, was more of like a consistent eight or nine win program, then maybe they big 12 would or the big 10 would have considered ASU, but it's not happening right now. And so you just have to deal with the fact that we're in the big 12. And I don't even know if I'm not even talking to like all of the fan base, I, but I've seen some people on Twitter just kind of be like, Oh, the schedule's underwhelming and whatever. It's like, well, I, I just, like, what are you like, what's the solution to rejoin the PAC 12? Like there's no, it just doesn't mean it's just stupid. It's just a dumb complaint. So you could look at it two ways. You know, I'm looking at it as an ASU fan and <laughs> as an optimist, which I know there are, there's a <laughs> slim Venn diagram of ASU fans and optimists, but, uh, you know, you could say, Oh, there's no blue bloods on the schedule. I look at it and be like, yeah, there's no blue bloods on the schedule. There's a reality or a potential reality, not a known reality, but there's potentially a world where 2024 next year, I mean, you're still digging yourself out of this hole that you're in. 2025, there's a reality where ASU was like, what if they're like a top three team in the league this year? And then you won't be complaining about no blue buds because you'll be one of the better teams in the conference, right? So I don't know, you know, there's four power five conferences. You could have been Cal and Stanford in the ACC. Would you rather have that? Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to tell you on that front. So I don't even know if I'm talking to anyone specifically, but I've, I have seen that complaint a little bit on Twitter and it's just like, like, what do you like? Look for better or for worse. ASU held on to the very end, the very, like literally like the last possible day that they could have, continued to be committed to the PAC 12 and it fell apart, you know, around them. And so it's where we're at. So it, you know, be happy that you're not in the ACC and that you don't have to fly across the country to go to all the road games, you know, like as, as if you're an ASU fan and you're complaining about, Oh, we have road games on the other side of the country. It's like, you have like one per year, you know, I'm looking at these, let's look at the road games at Cincinnati Okay, that's the only one of the of the five conference road games at Arizona in state, Texas Tech, not that far. Oklahoma State and Kansas State, not that far. And then yeah, Cincinnati's far. 2025, your furthest away game is Iowa State, which again isn't like close, but it's not super far. And then 2025, you have at Kansas, at UCF. Okay. And then 26, or oh, this was 26. Good lord, I'm getting my years mixed up. 26, you have to go, you, you go at UCF. 27, you go at West Virginia. Like you play one of these further games each year and that's it. Like that's not that bad. So yeah, I'm just, I'm happy that this uh, schedule finally got put together. And I, I'm excited to go. I, I don't know if I'm going to go to a road game. Depends on, you know, where my life is at that point and, how much money I can just drop on a road trip to a different state, but it'd be interesting to go to one of these, you know, <laughs> no, 
Texas Tech is probably <coughs> in terms of just flying there, Cincinnati is by far the easiest to get to in terms of just catching a flight. Texas Tech, I'm sure there are flights out of Phoenix to Lubbock, but it'll be less frequent. And then what? Stillwater, you probably fly into Tulsa, and then I don't know what you do to fly into Manhattan. So the Oklahoma State and really Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, and K State aren't exactly going to be super easy trips, but um, you know, it's not like it's easy to get to Pullman or Corvallis. So yeah. All right. Well, good stuff. Let's hope that ASU football continues the positive momentum. I do have them losing 20 to 16, but I would not be flabbergasted or like gobsmacked uh, looking for a word there. That's more shocking than surprised. I would not be completely floored if ASU won that game. I, I, I just wouldn't be like you, Utah's offense isn't good, you know, and when you just have a bad offense, you open it, you you open yourself up to losses because every mistake becomes even more amplified because you can't make up for it. So anyway, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Uh, go ASU. And I'm excited for this big 12 schedule, but first you got to beat Utah. All right. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Devils. <laughs>